founder. More podcast where we want you to know God more deeply. Find lasting freedom, discover your destiny and make an eternal difference. Now. Uh, I was going to tell you that I got an email okay. from a friend of mine who's mm-hmm. a former Moody uh, graduate. Okay. Or was is a Moody graduate. And uh, he said he picked up our podcast in Florida. Okay. And he's been telling all of his friends about it because he thinks that we're hilarious. All right. Well, and good. So, uh, yeah. Makes two. Okay. Great. His dad used to be the bouncer for, uh, what's the guy? Charlie Daniels. Really? Yeah. All right. So, yeah. he uh, Devil went down to Georgia. Devil went down to Georgia. Yeah. So, he's uh, he's listening to our podcast in, in uh, Florida. Uh, That's cool. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, you Do you ever wonder why you take the time to uh, listen to us each week and the more podcasts. So I'll tell you why more stands for maximizing opportunities for right now and eternity. So stop asking why you listen, you know, just never stop listening and don't forget to pass it on. Well, this podcast episode was brought to you by reserve a spot in heaven. If you have no idea how the whole going to heaven thing works, don't worry with a trained staff of heaven insurance agents. They will create a package that makes sure that you don't miss your spot in the great beyond. All packages are fully insured with a money-back guarantee. If for any reason you don't make it to heaven, no worries. You can get a full refund, no questions asked. <laughs> I'm sure the devil will help you. <laughs> it's, a it's a real thing. If you act today uh, using the promo code MORPODCAST, they will include uh, for $15.95 the Essential Travel Kit, which is a heavenly-issued certificate of reservation with a unique ID number registered in the Book of Light, a first-class ticket to heaven, the official heaven identification card so you can get around without getting hassled, and in Heaven 101 Mini Informational Guide. That's Reserve a Spot in Heaven. Put the afterlife at ease for your family today. And it's a real thing. Okay. fifteen ninety five. Use our promo code and then you get a discount on that. That's nice. Well, here to help me with your weekly dose of more goodness, the pastor I know who can turn water into coffee during the Sunday morning service, he says it's his special blend of holy roast, Pastor Gary. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, sitting across from me at this desk, learning all the buttons and the knobs, doing everything, all the talent really behind the show. Oh. The man who um, gave Eli Whitney the in, the inspiration to create uh, Cotton Gin. Yes. Pastor Alex yes. Norton. What? What? Right here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I we were just talking about before the podcast, you know, I do tend to knit a little bit wow. when I watch football. Yeah. I don't know if that's the most manly thing to do, but it keeps me busy while I'm waiting for there you go. the refs to Idle work out the... Or the yeah. devil's playground. That's right. When they're throwing yellow... Uh, Yellow flags, flags on, the full, on the game, I just uh, knit. Well, uh, we've got some interesting uh, twi- tweets that came in before we started the show. Uh, ancient weather update says, Back in the days of Lot, the weather forecast was 99% sunny with a chance of fire and brimstone. I guess it's based off the question from last week. Um, that's, that's pretty good. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, just lying around Detroit uh, desserts uh, says, uh, When the Detroit Lions ordered a victory cake, the baker asked, What's that? <laughs> uh, you're laughing now, buddy. Uh, why does the... That's probably a Green Bay Packers fan that wrote that in probably. there. Probably. Yeah. Uh, why does the more podcast take so many breaks? This is coming from Podcast Chronicles. Uh, did they find Narnia in their recording closet and keep getting distracted? Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so those are some tweets that came in. Keep, keep them coming. We uh, appreciate reading these online. We have no idea who they are, but uh, they're pretty good. I appreciate it. Uh, we do have some thoughts for the week for the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions update. Uh, Last season, Detroit Lions head coach Dan Campbell stood in front of his team after defeating the Green Bay Packers to end the season last year and said, all roads go through Detroit. Pretty pretty boastful statement, but he proved to be right. The Lions used a fast start to dominate early against the Packers in front of a stunned Lambeau Field crowd. There was no competition. Did you watch the game? I, I did not get a chance to watch the game. The commentators were even like, I feel sorry for Green Bay right now. Uh, Detroit's young roster marched into Lambeau Field determined to finish the game as NFC North uh, Division leaders and survived the second half charge of their rival who valiantly fought to try and make it a competitive game, which that was hopeless. After getting out to a three-touchdown lead, Detroit held on for the 14-point win with their final score being 34-20 victory. The Lions now sit atop the NFC North. It was a good game. Okay. I've got to say, that our defense stopped him so many times in the red zone, it was not even funny. All right, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. And then, vice versa, when the Lions were in there, we were, we were killing it. 
Um, yeah, so that's uh, happened uh, with the Detroit Lions. We'll take a break and be right back. Listening to more podcast. Uh, we just got some tweets in here. Uh, Pastor Gary, more is better podcast picks. Uh, listening to more podcasts is like adding extra sprinkles and an already great Sunday. Wow. I like that one. That's okay. kind of nice. Uh, Moorish podcast surprises says listening to the more podcasts is like getting extra fries at the bottom of the bag. Unexpected, delightful, and always leaves me wanting, well, more. I like how they use the word more in there. That was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. These, I, are these tweets helpful for you? Do they encourage you? They do. Yeah. I, I pretty much just walk out of here just floating with right. all the encouragement <laughs> that we get from all these people. Mm-hmm. I think it's good, but they don't even go by tweet anymore. It's, um, it's X now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So X is what it's called. I, I just can't get into that. Uh-huh. Seeing like X on there and, and I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't help me at all. I don't appreciate it too much. <laughs> get more of what you like on the more podcast. rapture ready with your favorite host today pastor gary and pastor alex norton as they come to you with information that you need to make it through the times coming ahead and more Well, on Rapture Ready News, we got a very interesting story. Now, this is uh, a story that's coming from Yale University. So if you want to fact check uh, this story, it's it's there. I did happen to kind of give the title a little bit of zhoosh. Okay. Know, but okay. Uh, possible forced vaccines that are coming along. Uh, they say are like fluoride in the water. Uh, Yale University researchers have developed an airborne method for delivering uh, mRNA or MRNA right to your lungs. Uh, in a study on mice, the scientists created polymer nanoparticles to encapsulate MRNA, making it in- inhalable. Uh, researchers say this new method of delivery could radically change the way people are vaccinated, making it easier to vaccinate people in remote areas or those who are afraid of needles who so don't want anything to do, do with a vaccine. An airborne MRNA product could be used to rapidly vaccinate the masses without their knowledge or consent. It could just happen. Um Academic endorsement exists for the use of compulsory covert uh, bioenhancements, including drugs and vaccines on the public. The U.S. government also has a history of covert bioweapon experiments, which you can watch any history channel right. and see what we've done in the past. Uh, Mercola, who reported on this from Yale University, researchers have developed a new airborne method for delivering MRNA right to your lungs. The team has also used the method to vaccinate mice and transitly, and transitly maybe not saying that right, Opening the door for human testing in the near future, which they're saying it could probably be by the end of this year. Uh, while scientists are hailing the creation as an easy way to vaccinate the masses, critics wonder if the development of an airborne vaccine could be used for nefarious purposes. Oh, no, come never, on. No, never. never. I, I, I definitely want to throw a flag on the plan on that one, including covert by enhancements, which have already been recommended in academic literature. So they're saying, you know what? We could really help our culture and our society by just forcing, you know, vaccines on people or whatever it is they want to put in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I was reading is somebody was raising the concern, probably conspiracy theorist that has no idea how much of a benefit this is. Said so that, you know, he could be in school, right? You know, the kids want, need vaccines for flu shots or whatever it may be. Just missed it into the HVAC system, and then everybody's done and taken care of. Nobody has to worry about it. Parents don't even have to sign off on it because it's such a good thing, right? I think, yeah, yeah. I was uh, making a comment on Sunday that uh, you know, kid has to be twenty one years old to be able to buy cigarettes, right? But you can go and get anything else done to your physical body, or yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I really, honestly, don't see the problem in this. Mm -hmm. I think if we're really, I mean, look at how much fluoride has helped our culture and society (laughs) by just putting it in the water. I mean, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes I can't read you. But okay, all right. Uh, Sarcasm is my love language, and yeah, it's a gift of mine. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I would say that uh, this is probably something that should be. A little bit of a. You have a really good poker face and a poker voice. That looked like that looked like all in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally and for. Then you no, threw down, no. you know, a pair of twos. I am not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I am not for this. This is crazy. Okay. I don't. I mean, if you are in like the public school system, I'd be like asking constantly what's going on. If I see the doctor showing up in white robes, yeah, walking around my school system saying, "Oh, well, we could put it in here or in there." Yeah, Dharma shows up on the side of the van. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I'd be a little nervous. Uh, yeah, so this is not a good thing. I mean, again, this is taking away our freedoms and liberties that we have because I think, you you know, I don't always agree with anti-vaxxers, but at the same time, I mean, they have a right, right? If they don't want to vaccinate, they don't have to vaccinate. Um, but, uh, apparently the government's going to take that choice away from you without you even knowing about it for your good. Mm-hmm. And I think we've already seen uh, a practice run of this with the mask system that happened. I was just going to say this just... This will just kind of reinforce the yeah. triple mask you know, <laughs> or the gas mask. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, huh. Was it uh, Fauci? You know, he started this year saying, you know, masks didn't really work, that that didn't prove anything right. uh, positive about it. Yeah. And then they just uh, interviewed him again on CNN and he's talking about how well, we might have to mask up again. You right. Know? So right. I don't know. Yeah. I, I listen to talk radio in the daytime. Yeah. And um, there's one particular show I really, really enjoy listening to because the guy just throws out the facts and just really nails people down. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess Fauci's latest little claim is that the studies show that this doesn't work on the masses, but on the individual it does work. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> if it doesn't work on millions of people, it's not going to work on one person. I know. Uh, uh, my my mother, who's in, in Babe Bluff, she, they – they quit putting mask on the the people there because they're they're actually making them sicker because when they put the mask on mm-hmm. they were breathing in whatever they had a cold sinus whatever it was mm-hmm. so they weren't getting any better so now when you go in there you have to mask up if you're coming from the outside but they don't really yeah oh yeah yeah there's still yeah oh man every time i every time i get a text from there there's a covid problem another covid issue okay so you know apparently covid is still alive and well in the rest homes and, uh, yeah, the mask apparently do help, but I, I hate those things because they do that, uh, one mask that was like the really, really good mask. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember in something. Yeah. 95 and 95. Yeah. You can't breathe in those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to talk to people. But they even said that the fibers that they use to create those masks. Yeah. Causes cancer. Oh, good. That's wonderful. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, try to have a conversation with somebody in the rest home that's going deaf with a mask on. <laughs> right. All you hear is, what? What'd you say? I didn't hear, I didn't hear what you they said. keep putting their fingers on your face to see if yeah, they right. read your lips. <laughs> yeah. My mom's constantly telling me, take your mask down so I can you know, understand what you're saying. I'm like, I can't because the nurse is like sitting right there. And if I take it down, then she's like, you need to put that mask back up. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I just be, it's a little nerve wracking to think that this is uh, mm-hmm. uh, going on in our culture, but um, something to keep an eye on. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think it's wrong for any parent or anyone that's concerned about this issue to raise a red flag on this and yeah, talk about it. You know, um, I went to the grocery store a couple nights ago and, uh, you know, there were two or three people in the store that had a mask on, and, oh, yeah. you know, my second, my second thought was, Hey, maybe they need that. You yeah. Know, God bless them. They need it. Great. But don't force me to wear one because that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was my second thought, but I won't tell you about my first thought. But Your first ahead. thought, well, yeah. you, you, well, you know what I do. Mm. This is probably not the most Christian thing to do, but I, when I see somebody with a mask on, I try to get as close as I can to them in the aisle, <laughs> and so they're there with the mask on, like looking around, and of course they're like super nervous about their environment, right? Mm-hmm. I just kind of tend to walk really close by and <laughs> talk to them and stuff, and then they're looking at me like, I'm sure please. I'm sure there's a Bible verse about. That. There's a Bible verse somewhere, but yeah. just be praying for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just. Uh, it just goes against everything in my personality to say, really? You think that's going to help? Mm. But uh, they do anyways. Uh, we'll be right back.
Dam Side Inn is an historic restaurant located in Pelston, Michigan. Nestled next to the North's most scenic majesty, it offers a picturesque setting and a charming ambiance. The restaurant serves a delicious array of old country dining with its rustic charm and scenic surroundings. Making the Dam Side Inn at 6705 Woodland Road, Pelston, your next stop to make memories as a family for generations to come. The Dam Side Inn. Well, uh, we've got the... Can I say something before yeah. you get rolling there? Yeah. I ate at the damn site last night. Did you really? It was Did you fantastic. Like it? Yeah. It was so good. I've, I go maybe once every other year. Yeah. Um, last night, they had all-you-could-eat yellow perch Ooh. and all-you-could-eat chicken. Mm. Okay. They're, they have a pretty famous fried chicken there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the great thing. What? So the waiter says, have her get the chicken, you get the fish, and you can swap back and forth. What? Yes. Okay. And that was told, I'm like, are you serious? Because I've been to other restaurants. They're like, do yeah. not let that shrimp get off your plate. Right. Yeah. But yeah. they're like encouraging it. Please go ahead. Swap around. It's good. <laughs> it was good. We used to do that at the buffets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lived down in uh, some of the cities <laughs> and we go to the old country buffet. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. Uh, we go in there and uh, my, uh, my kids, you know, they never wanted to eat a full meal. Right. Yeah. And so they would eat whatever was off our plate. And so yeah. we would. They would go for the pudding and uh, yeah, the that's ice what cream. They, that's what they would always eat. So we had to kind of help them out a little bit. And we'd always give them something off of our plate or whatever. And right. my wife's always like, you know, they're going to see you do that. And I'm right. like, the kid's not going to eat a full plate. Right. I mean, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, Damn it's like great sponsors. Yeah. Great meal. Great amiats. It was just wonderful. I've got to go there. Amy has been there. I have never been there yet. Yep. Price competitive. Very good. Yeah. I need to go. I want well, like good fried chicken. I'll be there. Uh, well, Linda Murray won last week the big question, and she opted for the uh, Toby Mac. Really? Yeah. Good. And so, uh, Pastor Gary, this is what That's it looks like. awesome. There. I it's see it, that. Yeah. It's good looking. These are one-of-a-kind photos from Carson. He was uh, one of the photo guys, ninja. They call him photo ninjas at the concert. Uh-huh. So all these pictures you never find anywhere else okay. on the internet. He wow. Right Wait, there. congratulations to Linda. Yeah. So she won that in a CD, Life After Death. And uh, so we'll be giving that to her. But That is fantastic. I can't put a you know a financial uh, price tag, price on tag or value on right. it because you just can't get those. Those pictures anywhere else. Yeah, they're great pictures. I really like them. Yeah, he got he he was blessed, man. He got to be right right in the guy's face, Toby Mac's face, and taking pictures. And yeah, wow. He said he actually got a high five from Toby Mac, and I said, "Well, that's pretty cool." Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the guy's a nice guy. I would have tried to take a picture of that happening, though. That would have been yeah, right. <laughs> As you're doing it, <laughs> did I tell you about his uh, Zonti no. picture that he took there? No. Um, we were he was getting ready to leave for Switzerland, and he showed me. This uh, website with this rap guy named Zonti. I don't know who who that is. I don't listen to Zonti. But anyways, he uh, said, look at the picture. The guy's using for his promo. And I'm like, that looks really familiar. He's like, yeah, that's the picture I took of him at at Life Fest. Wow. So Zonti's using his picture for his promotions for his his tour. That's really cool. I'm like, do you get any money from that? And he's like, no, because you give the rights. Yeah, yeah, he was being paid by the by LifeFest to do it. So I'm like, ah, that'd be so cool. Yep, intellectual property. I had that happen here. I I kind of gave. I was paying someone to write something. Yeah, and then (laughs) they put their name on it, and then they're trying to take it away. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's your, it's mine. I paid you to do that. Okay. Well, (laughs) that's why. That's why when people, I tell people all the time, music I write, Mm -hmm. it's under the stage name Lex Neal because when we were in a previous yes. ministry, mm-hmm. anything I'd ever write would automatically become their property. Yeah. So I changed all that and copyrighted a different name for wow. it. So yeah, you can go on Spotify and everything and find my music on there. Mm-hmm. A little, little, uh, little plug there. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, the big question. So the big question for, uh, last week was, yes. Yes, it was a good question. Of yeah. course, you know, I always try to tie it with the Sunday morning, you know, service that's going on. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, Jesus is going to return and it will be like the days of Noah yeah. and the days of blank, this person. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so I know that people kind of dug around a little bit. They're having a little trouble. I guess this is yeah. a little bit of a challenge, but it's also um, the days of Lot. Days of Lot. The yeah. days of Noah and the days of Lot. I'm going to, I'm going to confess to you that people were sending in son of man and uh-huh. i'd be like good job get you know and then i'm like then i read the <laughs> chapter for myself and i'm like no it's not son yep, of, the days son of, of yeah. lot days of lot so yeah. you know that would be kind of fun for you to do your own personal bible study on what's the difference between the days of noah yeah. and the days of lot and then what are the similarities between right. those two 
we, we could come up with some ideas. I mean, yeah. but it would be a fun for a personal. Bible it definitely study. be. Yeah. Definitely be fun to, to, wow. Yeah. It'd be fun to look at and try to figure out what the difference was. But yeah, I think you kind of just knowing the two stories. Yeah. I think you kind of come up with kind of a reasonable understanding of it. Sure. But uh, if you ever want to be a part of this fun that we have by giving you a Bible question and you writing in and let us know the answer, uh, send it to harborlightbibletrivia at gmail.com, harborlightbibletrivia at gmail.com, all lowercase. And so we have a new question today. We do have a new question. And yeah. of course, it's going to be tying in with this weekend's message. And uh, the question is, uh, the very first murder that took place in the Bible yeah. was between, go ahead and tell me who... Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel. Yeah. So Cain rose up and killed his brother. Yeah. What was the reason behind? What what forced or uh, you know tempted Cain to kill Abel? Ooh. What was the reason behind it? What, right. What what got him into the position of rage to the place where he killed his brother? Do we know what's the weapon. We do know the weapon. No, we don't really we don't necessarily really know, know the, weapon. the weapon. I just want to know the reason why. There's right. a, there's something that kind of instigated this, or you know. Yeah. I think you talked about it a couple Sundays ago about what the the possible just, weapon could have been. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I just used I used right. that as a, an illustration to show how technology, right. um, you know, is neither good nor bad. It's what you do with the technology, right? Yeah. Which I got a couple of uh, text messages last night. Some people listened to that that week and they really enjoyed yeah, it. It was good. So, um, you know, I used a rock on Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking about how you can use a rock to build a wall or nail in a nail yeah. or something or Cain rose up and killed Abel. You know, yeah. I'm just showing that you can use a rock as a murder weapon. Yeah, but you that's could. not yeah. necessarily what the Bible says he used. Right. But um, that I, I would lean probably away from the rock. Do you think so? Yeah, just because of the wording of God when he comes to meet Cain yeah. and he says, hey, where's your brother? What's his response? Yeah. Am mm-hmm. I my brother's keeper? Yeah, what? Right. And then and God says, yes, but his blood is, is crying out from the earth. Yeah. So, you know, a rock would possibly cause some bleeding but something else would cause you to bleed more yeah so i would lean away from the rock and probably towards maybe a knife a knife yeah or yeah so anyway that's my own personal spear yep and that could be kind of open for (laughs) conjecture so it's all good not a gun we know that i'm pretty sure it's probably not yeah not not a gun uh probably something that was readily available for a weapon Mm -hmm. right yeah could be could be a staff you know, I've seen some ninja guys take off people's yeah. staffs. I, I think know. I just want to, it's really fun that you're bringing this up and maybe yeah. we're jumping into stuff really quickly here. But, um, you know, there's before the flood, Yeah. you know, you have a whole civilization Yeah. and they're super technologically advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they have found some evidences of like even computer based kind of things. So they yeah. weren't, you know, trying to invent fire in a wheel. Right, right. I mean, we know that, you know, some of Cain's sons were already doing metallurgy. Yeah. Uh, they're inventing music and musical instruments. Yep, you know, yeah. so, I mean, we're talking super advanced technology. And there are there are complete archaeological evidences for pre-flood, super incredible civilizations where they're building they're building um, monuments that, yeah. that look to space. And they've already calculated in the the curvature of the earth and everything, right? And they get and they it's all verifiable that these people were advanced. So you're you're not a flat earther, uh, maybe more of a hill earther. <laughs> <laughs> you're, so you're not going in that. Camp no, I'm not yet. in that well, camp. That's, that's too bad because we probably got a lot of people that <laughs> maybe think, think of the flat earth. You know, did you see? There was a funny uh, funny cartoon that was out about people the flat earthers, and they're like they've discovered how the dinosaurs disappeared. And died off. Mm. Uh, a meteorite hit the Earth, and it, since it's flat, it mm-hmm. just tipped it, and then they flew off into space. Which that makes sense if you're a flat Earth. Sure. Apparently. Yeah. So that's that would speak to or why they just kind of rumbled <laughs> off the edge. Yeah. And right. Fell off. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, you gone too far there, buddy. Pull it back. Pull it back. It's <laughs> probably why we don't see too many of them, anyways. So the question is for this. Oh yes, for week this week. Is, let's review it. Yes. What is the reason behind? Cain killing Abel. There's, yes. a, there's a definite reason. There's a big reason. Yes. And it is pretty well stated. Yes. I mean, it's not going to like, you don't have to read into it or anything. Correct. It's pretty well stated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have the answer to that question, all you have to do is send it to Harborlight Bible Trivia at gmail.com, Harborlight Bible Trivia at gmail.com, all lowercase, and let us know what it is. And then we'll put your name into the big drawing for the end of the month. Uh, but we do have, we, we didn't mention this yet, but. Uh, we're going to be uh, taking a couple weeks off here. 
Yes, thank you for podcast. bringing that up. Yeah. That's excellent because you are going on a mission trip to Indonesia. Indonesia. Tell us just real quickly, kind of some of the things that you're looking forward to. Oh, I'm really excited about this trip. Uh, basically, we're going to be it's a it's a revival trip. Yep. So we'll be doing a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching, and uh, so I'm looking forward to it. We'll be doing uh, two revival services, one in uh, the the biggest city in Timor. And then also in the mountains of So, and uh, we'll be doing tent revivals. And they've been having these revivals going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last revival that happened in September mm-hmm. of, with an, with another evangelist that came in the area, they had 8,000 people or something show up for wow. the revival service. Okay. So I don't know what to expect, but well, I just know that they're really hungry for revival right now. Yeah, I was um, super proud. I know you took the weekend to uh, fast and pray. Yeah. And yeah. I'm super proud of you for doing that and preparing yourself for the Holy Spirit to be able to to do his work. Yeah. Well, I'm going, I'm going to be talking about, uh, what it is to get back to that place that they were in revival mm-hmm. in the sixties. Okay. And how do we have revival now? What, what was the difference? What, what made that so important? Mm-hmm. What made that so impactful? And so what do we do? So I'll be talking about Luke chapter four, verse 18, and 19, the, the mission and mandate from Jesus about being uh, a power in your culture. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for us in the New Testament church? And so I'm looking forward to this opportunity. I can't wait to uh, bring back a good word for Harbor Light because uh, like always, all the mission trips we go on, this is an extension of our work here. Yes. And so again, Harbor Light is reaching out uh, to other nations, just like uh, it was founded on to go spread the gospel to every nation. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be doing that. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, don't worry. More podcasts will be back in just a second. Discover the magic of transforming spaces with Sean Meyer Construction. From visionary designs to impeccable craftsmanship, we're your partner in creating remarkable homes. If you're looking for a contractor to do the right thing at the right time for the right price, let him build your dream together. Contact Sean Meyer Construction. Well, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Gary continued with a new series called Steady Flow, uh, Remaining Sure, and uh, basically, in a nutshell, defending and maintaining spiritual identity in the face of modern challenges, distractions, and even crisis of faith uh, is a concern for all of us. And uh, so he gave us some real insights into this. How do we deal with it? How do we maintain that faith identity and all this and some pitfalls and things that we need to talk about? Yes. So what do you want to lead us into? Yeah, so um, thank you, Pastor Alex, for that. Uh, I enjoyed that uh, particular talk. I had been preparing for that one. Um, I, I definitely know way over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had planned on doing a talk similar to that, or at least in that vein, uh, probably three times since uh, right before yeah. uh, COVID. Uh, I maybe had guest speakers lined up. We we're going to do a whole weekend on it. And, um, you know, lots of things were in the way. But then I reached out to the people of Harbor Light, and I said, hey, I need your prayers and uh, be preparing me, preparing the people. And uh, so they got busy um, more than six months ago praying. And then um, this last week in preparation for it, I just sat down and said, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me what we got. And just get four pages of ideas. It wasn't even, you know, transcript. It was just four pages of things that the Lord had laid on my heart. I uh, yeah. trimmed off stuff that you never even got to hear about. Well, we um, can hear about it here. We can, because yeah. that's what this is all about, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, more. So, um I, I, I took a look at how identity is so important in our lives, to mm-hmm. know who you are, um, the, the importance that we as parents have to be able to instill this into our children and grandchildren. Um, so it's super important to know who you are in Christ, who you are, um, where he's going in your life. And then um, if you lose that, then you become open yeah. for all kinds of attack and whispers and lies. And so identity gives you authority. So those are like the big concepts that mm-hmm. we uh, approached. And then, of course, how culture, uh, because they have a loss of identity, then there's lots of input that's coming into people's lives that are not from God, ungodly input. And it opens in people up for all kinds of crazy things. And that's the evidence of what we see happening in our world today. Yeah. Yeah, I was really interested when I, when I was hearing the message um, you know, because we're really in a time where we have to defend uh, our identity more than we ever had before. I think, mm-hmm. you know, like as you can probably remember in your own lifetime, my lifetime, um, you know, being a Christian, you know, went without saying, right? If you were a Christian, people automatically had this 
more of a positive image. Like, okay, these people have certain values and, and worldviews that are important. Um, but now it's like every, every aspect of what we believe in is under attack in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you've mentioned already, they, they attack the marriage, they attack identity as our gender, they attack our identity as far as our worldview is concerned with who God is. Yep. Um, and so there's so many things that are, are happening uh, around us that it, it almost does put you in a sense of constantly being uh, in a crisis mode, like you know, having to deal with another thing, right? Yeah. Like I send my kids to school to learn how to read, you know, do math and, and learn history. But now the crisis is I have to also defend them against the people that are trying to tell them that they're, they're not a boy, they're not a girl. Or a human. Or a human or right. whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you've mentioned over and over again, you've had us, uh, you know, um, say that we're not animals. Correct. Uh, you know, for somebody listening to it, it'd be like, that's, that's hilarious. Why does he keep saying that? But why is it so important for you to remind us of that? It's the great, it's the great lie yeah. that has been uh, perpetuated throughout, you know, since the early um, 1900s. And uh, because of that, um, we have people who realize they, they think they're an animal. They yeah. can't be controlled. They can't control themselves. Right. They have to act upon their instinct. And, um, and then that gives them a trump card to, you know, do whatever they want. And just be able to say, well, hey, it's because I'm an animal. I even, uh, during that series that we just did on going back to the science class, um, uh, evolutionists now believe that memories from when you were a reptile mm. um, can be <laughs> can be reenacted in your life. Oh, great. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever whatever you want. Yeah. Um, even memories are, um, you know, can be trans... <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. It does just adds a whole new yeah. <laughs> new angle to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So just all that kind of crazy stuff. So one of the things that um, I, I talked about with the first human identity crisis, mm-hmm. of course, was Eve in the garden. And we went into a great deal about that. But there was an identity crisis before that. Mm-hmm. Um, any ideas or guesses on who had that identity crisis? Uh, would be Satan? It would be. Lucifer yeah, okay. in yeah. heaven. His, his name in heaven was Lucifer. Yeah. And Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14 says, I will ascend to be like the most mm-hmm. high. I will do this. Yeah. And so he was having an identity crisis. He lost track of who he was. Yeah. He was a created worship uh, worship being by God. He lost track of that, had an identity crisis, and introduced sin into the world. Wonderful, right? Yeah. So it's, there you go. And the first two sins, <laughs> right? one by Lucifer and the other by Adam and Eve, were both identity-based. And see, that's we're dealing with that still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks a lot, yeah, Lucifer, for not knowing who you are. Hey, and, I, you know, yeah. I spend time with lots of people, right. and um, I've had phone calls this week of people go, going through incredible struggles in their life. Yeah. And as they're talking, um, th- those that were in service recognized that almost every sin has a, a, an element of an identity crisis. Where oh, yeah. they lose track of the fact that you know the world says I'm this, and so then they end up you know succumbing to those temptations. Um, it's quite amazing when you lose track of who you are in Christ Jesus, how you're exposed to demonic attack. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, you know, I think we've, we talked about it a few times as sort of the text of, of this year is, you know, looking at the old ways and finding those things. Yes. Um, so I wonder, you know, how much of, of the, the statements should be getting back into sort of a regular practice of understanding who we are. I, I guess, you know, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, when my kids are growing up, um, you know, the first, what, four or five years, you know, they're just a kid in the home. And then eventually they realize, you know, I'm a Norton or I'm a Mendel or whatever, and this is our identity. This is who we are. And that practice of constantly reminding them of who they are and the family, what this family is about and all this other stuff is, is key and crucial to them being able to be who they need to be in the world around them. And I, I wonder how much of that sometimes we need to start doing that in the church again. And I, we've been doing that. And I know you do that in every message, but it, it seems to be something that we have to do more and more, right? It, it's almost like we've had Christians that have been Christians for a very long time and we're having to remind them again, that's not what you, you're not that person. You're not who they say you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it, it, I guess as a pastor, it's kind of something that's a little, maybe a little annoying to us that, you know, you have to keep reminding people over and over again that this is who you are. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you should know by now, right? Yep. I don't have to call my son up who's 26 right now and say, Hey, just remember you're still a Norton, even though, right. <laughs> even though you're, you're, you know, doing your own thing. But it seems like we're having to do that more and more in the church. We have to keep reminding people, hey, you're a Christian. This is what we believe in. This is what we do. This is how we think. And uh, I don't know. Uh, do you see that 
becoming more and more of a crisis in your own opinion? And, you know, as I look at Scripture, I'm just thinking about Paul who had to write about it often. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, you know, humans, we continue to have the same challenges and struggles. Yeah. And so we're probably never going to have to get off of this, but it's just been amped up. Yeah. And um, and with I what I believe is the great lie yeah. of evolution and that there is no God and you're here by accident, it just, it just amplifies the identity crisis. Well, why do you think that's happening with like believers that have been around for a while? Believers? Yeah. Oh, because believers have abandoned, you know, they, they're, they're falling into thinking that the Bible is outdated. It yeah. doesn't know what it's talking about. And therefore science, mm -hmm. uh, which we know is pseudo and not even real, right. it's not even accurate. Uh, they're believing that lie and they're, they're putting the Bible below science. And mm -hmm. so therefore you've just exposed yourself to that. Even though you're a Christian, right. most, most, I, I think we're down to just a handful of you know, colleges, Christian colleges that yeah. still teach creation. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what was one of the big colleges that I was really shocked with the other day was Liberty University, which is, I think, basically about a Baptist college, uh, that they have a elective course that talks about, you know, in a sense, pseudosciences, these things that are out there that are not necessarily a part of the biblical worldview, but mm -hmm. are out there. Mm -hmm. And um, they're finding that people have a positive opinion about certain things that don't even relate to scripture yeah don't even fit in the narrative mm -hmm. and and they're putting it out there and I, I thought to myself you know i understand sometimes why you do textual criticisms or why you ask those questions you want people to think you through and, and mm -hmm. you know take the bible and kind of throw it against the wall and figure out which is going to stick and how it's going to work mm -hmm. but it, it seems like we're catering to this mindset now more and more and more and more and and you actually do hear pastors mainline churches that are opening the door to the possibility there's a a church in Texas where they had a whole, um, what was a weekend series, sermon series, or a conference about how to deal with LGBTQ community. It was actually in Georgia. Was it in Georgia? Yeah. And, and the whole point was it was more of a positive, positive approach to it. Like it wasn't saying anything bad about it. Right. It was saying, you know, maybe we need to rethink like, like how we we're talked doing. about how the world wants you to, you know, affirm means to applaud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's it's it, getting really. I think you have two. We're we're being hit from two different angles. Yeah. Okay. The one angle is just go ahead and just go full on evolution, and you know creation was made up, and it's just poetic. Right. right. That's one approach, and when you buy into that, you're going to very quickly go down the wrong road. And the other is incremental, in, being incrementalized. Right. Yeah. Little little steps at a time. So you've got the full on blast, the undertow, or the wave crashing the beach right. on this side. And the, the other side is the undertow. Right. And yeah. that's hitting us from both angles. So we're getting hit in the face with the wave of the lie of evolution. Yeah. And then little incremental steps moving us away from the truth underneath our feet. That's happening to Christianity right. on both levels. Right. Because you're sort of disarmed, right? You go to church and they say, we're a Bible-believing church. And then the pastor gets up there and says, you know, so-and-so that doesn't even line up with scripture. Right. That, that yeah. the Bible is, you know, filled with man-made stuff. And right. There's little there's little pieces we have to throw out or we can't really accept that or whatever it is. No, the moment you do that and the Bible is without error, right? according to the original manuscripts, <clears throat> then you've just opened and exposed yourself to every little lie that will take it away one little brick at yeah. a time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it, like you just said, it's a very, it's a subtle, subtle change and, and people get into it and they think, well, you know, I can trust this person because they're quote unquote, the pastor, they're intellectual, they've gone to school, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And, and then they are sold these ideas as though these have to be biblical mm -hmm. because he said it or she said it or whoever it is. Mm -hmm. and, and they buy into it. And then now you have, like you mentioned, these questions that are constantly circulating in the church. Cause we've, we've actually heard some of them here. Mm -hmm. People bring up really off the wall concepts mm -hmm. about some of the things that they've been hearing from other teachers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, this has got to be, it's got to be biblical, right? Because they said it, right? Or whoever it is. I won't mention any names. But. Yeah, so we, you know, we're completely exposed to the internet, which is an awesome technology and tool also used in the hands of the enemy. Yeah. And uh, so people now are able to search out and come up with or align themselves with ideas that can't be found in scripture, uh, but because the person is hip or, yeah. you know, sounds really smart or whatever it is, then they get sucked into, you know, lies and, and, and delusion or deluding down the truth. Right. Well, if you want hip, just watch the new small group series, right? Yeah. 
I think we're pretty. But at hip least, the, yeah. at least we're staying biblical. We are right? staying biblical. Uh, yeah, but we are hip. I Did mean, you hear what happened at my small group? No, I didn't. Yeah, so we, um, so we started the series. Yeah. Okay. Um, another look at James, and uh, so we pulled up the video and we watched it together. I just happened to wear that shirt <laughs> and hat to small group that night from the session one. Yeah. And they're like, "Did you just?" Film this this afternoon? Yeah. I'm like, no, it was weeks ago. But I just happened to wear that same shirt to the small group. Hey, when you're on a budget like we have around yeah. here, I mean, you yep. know, yep. you you recycle things pretty much. Um, you know, another thing that I think I pulled from your your passage and your teaching about this is this concept of how community needs to engage more in these conversations, um, especially in the church with the people around us. Not in the sense that we attack or we're um, getting yeah. reactionary. Yeah. Now, now, again, this goes back to your identity. If mm-hmm. you're not confident in who you are in Christ and that your Bible is accurate and reliable and you know what it says, yeah. then you're going to be venturing into, as the Bible says, you you know, do it with caution. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right? That was a great passage of Scripture from uh, Jude. And uh, so we encourage you to have conversations with people. Yeah. Okay? Just know what you know what you're going getting into. Know what you yeah, eyes wide yeah. open before That's you right. enter into those conversations. But attack mode is probably not going to work for no, you. Yeah. Okay, and um, you know, so you have to be able to ask questions that cause them to go deeper yeah. and answer those deepest, most fundamental questions. So who are you? Right. Yeah. And then when they answer that, whatever their answer is, will tell you the vein or the direction that they're going to go in all of their their beliefs, right? Your yeah. belief moves towards values and behavior. And so if you can ask questions to get back to the belief and find the error, then possibly you may be able to have a intelligent conversation to right. change that around. Well, and I think that the, like you just mentioned, I mean, the, the crucial part is that you know your identity of what you believe in. I think um, a lot of Christians uh, carry on the identity of the person that's the talking head in their church or the person that's a preacher or pastor. And they kind of leave it there, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to get this information by osmosis just by sitting there. And then when I need it, it's going to come out. Not reading the scripture, not understanding for themselves, not uh, thinking it through, um, kind of leaves you sort of in this possibility that maybe the words can be shifted a little bit. And remember, you mentioned a while back about Eve, you know, it was just one one word, one phrase got changed yep. around a little bit yep. that caused her to move in the direction she did. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a firm understanding of what you believe and what you hold on to, all it would take is a, a small little shift. And trust me, the devil is smarter than we are sometimes and can change stuff around enough or make it sound appealing enough to where we could buy it and say, oh, this, yeah, this is not that bad. I mean, this is really what was being said there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we've got to be very careful. And I, I noticed one thing that was interesting to me was this concept of um, how do we define sin? What is redemption? All these other things. And I was listening to this podcast and there are churches that have moved away from this concept of saying the word sin in general. Like they don't want to use that word. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why? Yeah. What? Mistake, you know, Mistake. Yeah. My bad. Oversight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just, you just had a, Jesus died on the cross for your oversights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did that. You know, don't worry about it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But we are creating uh, sort of this, this conversation within our, our church cultures that, uh, sort of sounds like relativism that we deal with in the world. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth in the context of biblical conversations. And that's not the way it works, mm-hmm. right? I mean, scripture, I think you both, we would both agree is very black and white. Yeah. And I mean, even in the gray areas, there's enough truth to say, yeah. let's move in that direction mm-hmm. the way God wants us to. Mm-hmm. I, I highly doubt that, that, you know, if we allow this to keep happening, I think that's why these conversations and community engagement need to be there. We need to not confront in the sense in a negative sense, but confront those things and say, listen, that's not what the Bible actually says. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, you've taken the stance that you do on Sunday that you're just like, Hey, I don't really care what you think about what I'm saying. This is what the Bible says. And, you know, right. I, I know that came off uh, really, really pointed. Yeah. Um, and I, I used that one about three weeks ago when we did this, you know, the talk about what is a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so crystal clear. I don't, I'm not really interested in anything other than the truth. Right. You know? And so, yeah, there's black and white. There's plenty of black and white in, in our scriptures. Right. And you know, it's, it's kind of odd, but you know, people would label you as being inflexible, right? Mm-hmm. You're not with the times. You're not right. changing with the intolerant. Yeah. Intolerant. And and I guess almost that's got to be kind of sort of like a compliment now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. If I'm intolerant because I believe the Bible says what it says and I guess that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just have to live with it. Um, you know, another thing, uh, that I was pulling from, uh, your passive scripture is this, um, idea of continually 
learning and continue understanding what's going on here. And um, you mentioned in scripture uh, this idea of who is God, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what that really is. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Right. I am. That was just beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so what, what, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, it, it seems like, you know, why, why do we have to go there? I mean, to try to read, to define who God is when God really has defined himself in 66 books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. What, where's the disconnect happening? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I think that um, we have done, and, and this happens and it comes out in lots of different ways, but we have recreated God in our image or the image we want mm, him to yeah, be, yeah. right? And when he says, I am, you know, that I am, he, he's saying, listen, I am self-evident, you know, self-sustaining, not connected to anyone else. I am, yeah. right? Um, those, that, those that are not impressed with God <laughs> or they, they question his motives or methods, right. uh, then they're going to recreate God in their image or the one that they feel good about. Yeah. And that's, that's idolatry. That's, you know, the first and second commandment. Right. Right. So, um, I think the reason that we have to keep going through there is because we, uh, instead of being created in God's image, we're creating God in our image. Right. And we do, we do that a lot. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we speak for God a lot, you know, we say, well, God would never do that. You know, God, I'm, you know, speaking as though God, like we know his mind, right? What's really funny is to hear yeah. people say, my God would never do that. Yeah. My God would never do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and all you have to do is read the book of Job and realize you're an idiot for even saying that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's yeah. the whole, yeah. that's the whole book, the premise yeah, right. of the book, right? Where were you when I created the foundations <laughs> yeah, right. of the earth? Yeah. But we try mm-hmm. and we try to speak on behalf of God or we, we say, God, you know, does think this way or God, you know, and I, and I think you're. We're, we're putting ourselves in a really bad position mm-hmm. for God to say, listen, okay, let me just show you who I am. And, you know, I, I think when we look at scripture over and over again, God, his idea of righteousness, judgment, truth is not the way we think, right? Because mm-hmm. our, our way of dealing with it is based off emotions, feelings, filters, all these things that we've grown up with, whatever desires, the desires. Yeah. And so when God speaks, sometimes it is different than what we would deal with the situation. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason for it. I mean, I, I was reading an article from a a college student about how, you know, people always say that what happened in Canaan was mass genocide by God. You know, God just wanted to wipe the people off the map. But I think we've mentioned this before on the show that uh, if you go into the, the, uh, the history of what was going on there, even if God himself would have shown up on the scene and said, Hey, what you're doing is not good. This is not, not happening they would have rejected it because they're so far into uh, their sinful behavior, all these things they were doing, they, they would have never really accepted it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like, I think God gave them many, many chances prior to Israel showing up in Canaan. Oh yeah. And they still, 100%. yeah. And they yeah. still refused to mm-hmm. do it. It's no different than when they left Egypt. Right. Right. Remember the old TV show, uh, the Larry King live, right? Yeah. He yeah. always had this one pastor on who I listened to occasionally, John MacArthur. Yeah. And the guy's like, you know, straight line, super fundamentalist. Yeah. And um, he he was a favorite on that show because he wasn't afraid to, you know, call it like it is. Yeah. He didn't need any help defending God. God doesn't need any help defending himself. Right. Yeah. And so he just, he would just lay it right out there. Right. And um, he, he spoke about that, you know, that the people of Canaan were, um, so wicked and vile that God had tried over and over and he just came to the end of his limits and it didn't matter what he, what he was going to do. They weren't going to change. And so he moves the children of Israel into that land and says, get rid of these people. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that are like, Oh, that's not the God I serve. Right. right I mean, yeah. My, mine's warm and cushy. <laughs> he already had given 50,000 chances. Right. And in, when they moved in there and they didn't do what God asked them to do, yeah. look at the effect. You've got all the problems today. Right. Yeah. It affected the nation. Yeah. And they started following the ways of the, the people that they didn't take out. If you want to have a little bit of fun, right? Look yeah. up um, the, <laughs> this is the crazy, can, can we go here for a yeah, second? let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't mention it very well in the second service. I did in the first service. So Lot says, hey, listen, I got these two virgin daughters, never known a man. I'm, go ahead and do with them whatever you want. Yeah. Basically kill them if you want. Have yeah. sex with them until they die. What kind of crazy parent would yeah, ever right. say that, right? I know. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. But then later, next chapter, they're leaving town. One sister says to the other, you know, there's no men around here. Right. So let's go ahead and sleep with our dad so we can, okay, messed up. Yeah. That's bad thinking, right? Right. Who are the two descendants? The Moabites and the Amorites. Yeah. Who are the two biggest, you know, two out of the three biggest, uh, you know, uh, enemies of Israel in the future? Yeah. The Moabites and the Amorites. Right, yeah. You don't do it God's way. You do it your own way. You're only creating your own 
enemies for the future. Right, yeah. Right? Sin causes you to think bad, which then sets patterns in place. Yeah. And then, of course, you're just, you know, creating the, the dem- your own demise. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that's such a good point you raised there. Yeah. Because you, uh, you think about the whole thing that happened there. I mean, you know, God worked really hard to try to get Lot and his family out of there. Right. And yeah. His wife messed up, turns around, turns mm-hmm. into pillar of salt. The mm-hmm. daughters do what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a mess, you yeah. know, everything. And so, uh, and you see that in, in stark contrast to, you know, Abraham Yeah, and realize what he did. And he wasn't perfect, right? He did right. some really goofy things, Sure, but he always went back to the fact that he knew what he needed to do for God. And he was, yep. he was obedient. He, he returned to yeah, God. He returned to God. Yep. Um, and so, I mean, God is a very merciful Absolutely. God. He's always looking for you to find his redemption somewhere. If you're willing to find it or go after it. Mm-hmm. But you know, like you just said, those results though, still have an impact on our lives. Look at, look at what's happening now in our country right now. I'm, I'm sorry, but the things that we're doing now are going to ha- impact us later on, whether we want to believe it or not. I don't sure. care if we have churches that are praying for God to bring revival in the United States, which I know they are, mm-hmm. we're still going to deal with the after aftermath of what's been happening for all these years. Right. You can't tell me that abortion is not going to affect us. You can't tell me that these transgender issues aren't going to affect us somehow. We're going to be dealing with those things. And so yep. and we better, better be ready. You better be ready. Put your big boy pants on and get yep. ready to deal with these issues. Right. And you may have not been a part of it uh, in any way. Right. But the fact is, it's, it's here. It's going to happen. You're yeah. called to be a missionary. Yeah. To this world. Yeah. And your mission field is opening up before you. Yeah. So get prepared. Yep. Get ready. And it's not going to be easy, right? Right. I mean, I think everybody, one of us, every one of us would think it'd be great if it was like a Jonah situation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And then God's like, go to Nineveh. And he goes in there and preaches the gospel or preaches the the idea of who God is to the people. They accept who God is, they <laughs> repent. And he's like, wait a minute, you know, why don't you just take them out? Yeah. yeah. How did he get to Nineveh? <clears throat> right. Yeah. 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 It wasn't an easy, it wasn't exactly. an easy trip. Yeah. Right. But I mean, we would like to think that that's the way the culture is. But unfortunately, I think we're going to have more opposition than what we expected to begin with. Um, some of the things that I was thinking about from your message that I thought was interesting takes on how to, to deal with these identity issues. Um, I thought one would be, uh, limiting external negativity, the things that, um, we're allowing into our families, our homes. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that we talk, we talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. Watch what you, you know, be careful what you watch in media. Yeah. Be careful what you allow your kids to be associated with. Yep. So um, my wife received a, um, a catalog from um, a major distribution center. They provide a catalog for um, the holidays. You know, buy these gifts for your kids. Here's some ideas for you. Yeah. And um, so she just tore out a few pages, and there's just complete satanic stuff going on. Yeah. And um, so so she tore those out of the catalog uh, just to show me, as well as to protect our grandkids from even looking at those images. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we've been having, you know, conversations as a husband and wife saying, you know, when we watch that TV show, you know what it's really promoting, mm-hmm. you know, it's not promoting godly things. And so we're just going to kind of trim back on, on some of those things, you know, allowing Holy Spirit to give us that conviction. I'm not going to be your convictor for you, All right, but, yeah. uh, but we've been personally spending time and realizing the little incremental steps away from God, uh, it's not good. Yeah. We were, um, we had, uh, our last premarital council with a couple we were marrying and, we talked to him about the influences of those things. Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of influences that are against marriage. Yeah. And it shows up in music media and these things. And you wonder why you have these um, latent ideas. Yes. About things about relationship. And you wonder why things aren't connecting or things are having problems. You're having problems with your relationship. Because some of those things influence our thinking, whether we want to believe it or not. And the drama that they portray then becomes your drama, even if it had nothing to do with it. Yep. Because there's something there. I think the devil uses an influence. There's a, I think there's a satanic uh, force that's connected with a lot of that stuff that then connects to the people that want to um, move in the right direction. But then they're finding this, this, uh, I would say, not uh, like an oppression or sort of like an influence that's coming into their life. And they're wondering, why am I having these problems with my wife? Why am I having problems with my marriage? Yep. Well, because you've allowed these influences in your life and, and somehow uh, when the flesh gets in the way, those things become sort of the priority arguments and yep. and and tools that the devil uses to start destroying different things. So you got to be careful with these negativity. I, I uh, joked negative around things. a few weeks ago. It just you know when we did the one on technology, right? Yeah, and it just kind of makes you want to become Amish. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know we laugh for you know fifty years of my life. We laugh about the Amish and some of their decisions and how they come to it, and then here we are, and you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, there's a lot of wisdom in that. I I'm almost I'm almost thinking about it. You know, that's uh, one thing in our house. A lot of times, what we'll do is uh, we we just don't even turn the TV on. Yeah, 
There's just like a lot of times nothing on, you mm-hmm. know, nothing good. My wife and I watch a uh, PBS uh, show, uh, it's a travel show, mm-hmm. and um, and my wife kind of commented because uh, these are European travel um, destinations, right? So you got yeah. lots of church history and all kinds of things, but this one particular show that we watch, they always show you the red light district and they always show you the, you know, some of the cultural stuff yeah. that's going on and gives license to sin. And we're like, why did, why does it, why did we always have to have that in every episode? Yeah. Right. I know. Uh, when, uh, Carson was getting ready to head for Switzerland, you know, mm-hmm. somebody that we know in our family said, Oh, you know, you're not gonna be that far away from the red, red light district. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, the red light district That's where all this stuff goes on that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not good. He's like, I'm not going there unless I'm going there to tell people Jesus. He says, I'm staying out of that area. Right. And I'm like, that that's not a highlight, you know? Right. Out of all the things that you're going to be doing right. in ministry, the highlight is not to say, check out my bucket list. I'm going to the red light district yeah. just because it's near where he's going to be at. Right. I'm like, where's that thinking coming from? But Exactly. Yeah. But in, in a world we live in, it's like, oh, yeah, it should be. You should go. Yeah. I just uh, want to go see it. Yeah. I just want to <laughs> just see what it's about, you know? Um, uh, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, and I thought was really um just poignant was the idea of just live your beliefs, live mm-hmm. the beliefs that you have in, in Christ. You don't have to go around preaching or having bumper stickers all over your car, telling people who you are, just be who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this in the apologetics class. Nobody has to tell me that I'm a Norton. I know I'm a Norton. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go around trying to explain to you why I think I am one. Right. It is just who I am. I live my belief. And I, and when we live in this idea of who Christ is um, and you know who you are in Christ, your identity is solid in that. You live it out the way it is. So you're not always kind of in the defense mode. I think that's the big issue is that we think we have to defend all the time and be ready to, you know, fight fight to the death about what we believe in. Just live who you are. Be who you are in Christ and embrace it for all that it is. And, you know, you're going to have obviously opposition. But at the same time, you don't have to explain anything either. You don't have to go around trying to defend what you are. Um, my wife and I, we always talk about when we had the college ministry in, in Chicago, you know, we had people that were Muslims, lesbians that come to the Bible study Mm -hmm. and we never steered away from the fact that who Jesus was, you know, we didn't say, well, oh, you're a Muslim. So we'll, we'll do things that don't offend you. You know, we just did what we did. You came over to eat at our house, right? You're you're here for a Bible study. So you're just going to have to live with it. You know, whether you like it or not, I mean, we're not going to, you know, force it down your throat, but the fact is we just, we lived out our faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me is probably the most powerful thing that we can do as believers in Christ is just live it out. Right. I do believe that there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. Um, and, and I'm sure you would agree with this. Uh, you don't do that in a cloistered life. No. You have no. to do that in a public life where they see the peace that you have and the tranquility right. you have and the joy you have and that your finances make sense and every you know, your kids aren't going off the rails. You know, it's because you're doing it um, under the microscope for them to be able to see Mm-hmm. you know, the evidence of Christ. So you can't do that, you know, behind a, a brick brick wall to keep people out. Yeah. You want to invite people in and say, listen, I'm going to do life right next to you. And it's going to, you know, it's going to be a contrast. This is, yeah, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. This is what I am. Yeah. I, I remember, um, you know, growing up, one of the things that I, I don't know, maybe my, my parents kind of drilled it in me, but I always tell the job that I worked at, I'm not working on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Sundays I go to church mm-hmm. and they would always constantly fight me on it. You know, mm-hmm. like no matter what job I worked at. Right. You know, why don't you just take one Sunday off and, you know, make some extra money or whatever? I don't want to. I go to church every Sunday. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after a while, they quit asking, right? And they just kind of just said, okay, whatever. Well, you don't, you obviously don't work on Sundays, so we're not going to force you to do it. But, you know, that's just a real small example of that. But, I mean, that's just me. I didn't argue with them about it. I didn't tell them, like, <laughs> well, this is what the Bible says about going to church. So you became a pastor so you work on Sundays. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I know. That's a, Yeah. <laughs> Something's not right there. It's uh, so, so funny. I know people get a good laugh out of it, but they're like, hey, you work for like an hour and a half a week, right? Yeah. On Sunday, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and we could both, be more. You know, we, you know I start at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah. So by the time we get out of church, I've already got my eight hours in. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you have a small group and yeah. then you have, yeah, yeah, whatever else, maybe visitation or whatever. Um, and the last thing I was uh, going to bring up about your message was this idea of practicing resilience in the midst of uh, what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes uh, we have to look at the things that happen in our life as being opportunities to share the gospel and how, like you just mentioned, deal with them, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm going through a personal tragedy, a death, uh, a child that goes the other way, you know, doesn't want to be a part of the kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of things. People are watching you and how you deal with those things to find right. out the legitimacy of what you believe in, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so if we have believers that are like snowflakes, 
mm-hmm. that, you know, been touting, you know, my church is amazing and I read the Bible all the time. And then as soon as the first crisis hits right away, they're like, when the heat cuts above 32, right. They melt. Yeah. And they don't know what to, you know, they don't know what to do. And then everybody around them is like, I thought you were a Christian. You know, I thought mm-hmm. you believed in God. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing that sometimes we begin to start creating this idea within ourselves that we have to be resilient. And it's not just for the sake of keeping a face or a false front in front of people, but it's, that's who we are. Yeah. Right? Can I, can I read that passage of scripture we ended the service with? Yeah, definitely. You know, Jude 1. There's only one chapter in Jude, of course. Verses 22 and 23. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. And that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. You, could, you could say that's a snowflake, right? Yeah. All right. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Yeah. Okay. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Yeah. What a very powerful passage of scripture yeah. and very pointed for the time in which we live today. Definitely. Definitely. That's like, should be put on everybody's refrigerator. Yeah. I mean, it's really what, what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, the whole point is that we um, definitely have a mandate to share the faith, but at the same time, you know, uh, live your faith in a way that people are going, that is different. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. um, we had a very good example of that. I mean, I don't I hate to go back to, problems in the past, but during COVID, there was a lot of wavering identity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, had, I had a handful of people that were super strong. Yeah. Super proud of them for that. Um, and I think that if, if our world goes the direction that they're predicting, yeah. there, there's not going to just be five people. There'll be 500,000 people, you know, that are going to be a lot stronger because they, they yeah. recognize what, what's actually going on. And um, they're not going to fail the test. I think you're right. I think people that we saw that had a different idea of what was happening around them mm-hmm. and believed that God was working through it, mm-hmm. they definitely were different than the rest. I mean, yep. you know, I mean, they followed the rules, right? I mean, we don't want to, we don't want to fight against the government. I mean, we would go into a store and wear, wear a mask or whatever, but at the same time, we're like, this is foolishness, mm-hmm. um, you know, or the vaccines or whatever it was. Uh, my wife and I, there was a couple times where we, when we were in the UP, there was a big issue with it. And my wife finally said, you know what? I am not wearing this stupid mask anymore. It doesn't do anything for me. And, you know, we didn't. And we were asked to leave the grocery store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. we're like, well, I guess we'll go somewhere else then or order it online or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't believe in this. I don't believe this has anything to do with it. And I believe my faith is stronger than mm-hmm. what's going on there. And I think we that's when we start seeing the impact of the Christian community and the world around us is when we start making those stances and doing what we need to do, not to be just pure opposition. Right. Or not belligerent yeah. for the fun of being. But yeah. Better. Just for the, you know, not like standing next to somebody in the aisle when they have a mask on and then breathing, yeah, breathing, I'm coughing like, continuously. Like, like I do. Um, <clears throat> again, pray for me. God needs to work on my heart on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I think we, we need to become more resilient people. Mm-hmm and uh, stand up for our faith. Do you have anything you want to say about the sermon coming up? Um, I haven't, I haven't locked it in completely, um, but it's going to be, it's going to be powerful. Um, I, w- I will tell you this, this is, this is me kind of with like an, an unofficial kind of like, Hey, give it, give it a shot. Right. So I'm hanging out with this theologian a couple years ago mm-hmm. yeah, out in California and we're having uh, breakfast and lunch together every day for about a week. Yeah. We we're at a conference and uh, he's like, Hey, you should read this book. And uh, so I read it. And I guess I didn't put it in context, mm-hmm. right? So I just started reading this book that he, I had him send, send me the book. And, uh, and I'm about one chapter in him like, well, this is very interesting. You know, that some of those guys' views are, you know, right on, but then some of them are kind of like, hmm, interesting, yeah. right? It's called The Madness of Crowds. Okay. And uh, by Andrew Murray, no, Douglas Murray. Douglas okay. Murray. And um, then I decided about the end of the first chapter to kind of look up who the author was. So he's a gay atheist. Oh, really? Yeah, but he had nailed every one of the issues that are in our current culture. And he was, he was just so dead on. Yeah. He's had tons of conversation with uh, Christians and Bible leaders. So here's a guy that's a homosexual person that doesn't even believe in God, yeah. yet he can see the forecast of where it's going. So hopefully, hopefully his eyes are being opened yeah. in the process. But um, I read the book all the way through, really impressed yeah. with some of his insights, even coming from that angle. But um, I'm going to pick up probably one of the last subjects in the book, um, crime, mm-hmm. punishment, um, maybe even some racism. Yeah. And uh, that'll be the conclusion for this series. Yeah. Hey, are we out of Facebook jail right now? Uh, I kind of heard we were. Oh, okay. So I'm not, I'm not sure entirely. We might be arrested again here. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. 
right? <laughs> Take it as a badge of honor. Oh man, I love it. Yeah, yeah there was that one passage of scripture too. I forgot to mention it on Sunday. Yeah. You know, when it, when people start calling you names, yeah. right? I mean, the Bible says that's going to happen. Right, yeah. You know, you're going to be, bad things are being said about you. Just wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, what are you, you going to do about it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so funny that, you know, Amy and I were talking about how uh, much we are reliant now as churches mm-hmm. on like social media because it gets the message out, right? It gets yeah. the sermons out and all yeah, different we things. We have 1,500 people that right. connect with us through so, Facebook. So Yeah, it is kind of it is kind of tough, but I mean, at some point we might have to say, you know what? Flip the switch and say, we can't do it anymore. Right. You're just going to have to show up for church on Sunday. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, you're not going to be able to see it on in the convenience of your home. You have to come in. Maybe that might have to happen at some point because, I mean, it's getting there. Yeah. I mean, more and more. Well, that's all we've got. Uh, just remember this week, uh, we will not be broadcasting uh, for the next couple of weeks. Correct. Um, for the Indonesia trip, be praying for the team, all things going on there. But uh, we'll definitely talk about it when we get back. Sure. We'll have a lot of great stories. Talk to you later. We want you to know, find, discover, change with us. More podcast ending transmission. Now, 